Starfleet Escape Podcast. Prepare for launch in three, two, one. Enjoy the ride. Welcome to the Starfleet Escape Podcast here on the Four Ride Radio Network, where we escape into the Star Trek universe. This is episode number 96 and is being recorded on March 23rd, 2019. Today's topic, Spectral Scan, Discovery, Season 2, Episode 10. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. This podcast contains spoilers for Discovery Season 2, Episode 10, The Red Angel. I'm Aaron Gallo. And I'm Ashley Gallo. This episode is sponsored by Revenge Lover, Designs and Illustration. Stand out from the crowd. For more information, visit revengelover.com and mention the podcast for 10% off your order. How's it going, Ashley? I'm good. How are you? Good. Uh, For those who don't know, Ashley's my wife. She's been on the podcast before. Not to talk Discovery, though. It's been a while. Yeah, the last time you were on the podcast was before Discovery came out. Yeah, it's been over two years then, probably. (laughs) I believe so. Yeah. But um, Ashley's been watching Discovery since it started with me. So she knows everything that's happened so far, right? Yes, I do. Yeah, okay. Cool. So let's hop into the news. Director Hanel Culpepper, I hope I pronounced that right, confirmed on Twitter that the new Star Trek series starring Patrick Stewart will not called Picard. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, so we've been kind of speculating what the name of the new series would be. (laughs) And uh, Picard has been a favorite amongst a lot of people. Okay. There's also rumors that could be called Star Trek Destiny. Mm Mm-hmm. What would you like the new series with Picard to be called? Do you have a preference? Does it matter to you? It actually does not matter to me. No. I guess it doesn't really matter. But, you know, we'd like to know what it's going to be called, I I guess. Yeah. But I think it should have Star Trek in it. Okay, so just not Picard or Destiny. Right. Star Trek, Destiny, Star Trek, Picard. Um, But I don't think I like Star Trek Picard, though. (laughs) No. See, Enterprise... I don't know if you... Have you seen any episodes of Star Trek Enterprise? I think I watched maybe one or two episodes with you, but I don't really remember a whole lot. When that first came out, they dropped Star Trek from the title uh, to Mm. try to make it hip, I guess. I don't know. But during the... I think it's the third season, they brought Star Trek back, and it's kind of like retro Mm -hmm. um, fitted. Uh, wherever you look for it now will be called Star Trek Enterprise. But yeah, we should watch some Star Trek Enterprise together. Yes. So, moving on to my favorite segment of the show. <laughs> Would you and buy why it? is it your favorite? Because I always like to think about stuff I can add to my Star Trek collection. Uh, very nice, very nice. Yeah. So, during this segment, Ash, we ask each other... Before we reveal what it is, if we would buy it. Um, I don't think I would. No, I potentially would. It's just uh, 
a matter of cost. Uh-huh. And, um... I don't, know, I don't know a lot about this company, so uh, I don't know. It's a, it's a maybe. I'm on the fence about it. What we're talking about is a Borg Cube PC by Cherry Tree, and the base model for this starts at eight hundred and ninety nine dollars and goes up to over two thousand uh, twenty five hundred. Yeah, it's it's can be pricey. Yeah. Um, this is an officially licensed Star Trek product. It's a Borg cube, so it's uh, it measures 14 inches by 14 inches by 14 inches. Okay, so just right. uh, just over a foot cubed. These computers are not mass produced. Each unit, their panels are cast and hand painted. Every hole is uh, drilled by hand, and then machines are. Uh, the machines are hand-assembled. So there's a lot of love going into these uh, computers. And it's uh, a very nice-looking uh, machine. Yeah, it it does look interesting. But I don't think I would buy it because I'm not, like you said, um, I'm not 100% sure about the company. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's, it's fine. Um, I'm a big fan of the Borg, uh, as many of you know. But, um, yeah, I'm sure I could get a computer. Like, some of these are, you know, VR-ready. So these are powerful machines uh, for what you're paying for. It's just that you can get something comparable, especially for a PC, for a lot cheaper. Right. So, on the fence about it, it looks great. It's, you know, a Borg cube. Um, it has some green lighting showing through the panels just like the ships on the show um, specifically Star Trek Voyager and uh, the movie Star Trek First Contact right. so uh, yeah it's uh, obviously up to you if you want to buy it but uh, <laughs> I guess on the fence and a no <laughs> so uh, maybe I'll ask Eric Barry and uh, Eric Dewey, who couldn't be with us uh, this week because of other commitments. Mm -hmm. uh, but we do, during the episode, have some uh, musings from Eric Dewey, which we will interject as we go through. Correct. All right. So let's go over the summary for this episode. Burnham is stunned when she learns her ties to Section 31 run deeper than she ever fathomed. Armed with the identity of the Red Angel, the USS Discovery goes to work on its most critical mission to date. Bum bum bum. <laughs> so we'll start with our likes for this episode. We'll start with mine likes. Okay. All yeah. right. So... I thought everything about the funeral scene was great, but like we've said in the previous couple episodes, this would have had a bigger impact on us if Arium had a larger role at at least the beginning of the season. Like we've said in the prior episode, her her death and the reaction of the crew, it doesn't seem to fit from what we've seen on screen. Mm, that's true. It seems very rushed, but I don't know, how do you feel about 
that scene? The funeral scene did actually look um, a little rushed to my... Um, I thought it was rushed. Yeah, it okay. was a little rushed. But, I mean, the speeches, don't get me wrong, those were, like, phenomenal. I thought they were mm-hmm. pretty good, um, especially Michael's. Yeah, Michael's was good. I thought Saru's singing was great. Yes. And actually, Doug, who uh, plays Saru, actually, that's his voice. Uh, uh, during the episode, he lip syncs, but they pre-taped uh, his, his voice. voice. Uh, so he did a, a good job. Um, he has a he has wonderful an in- yeah. singing voice. The voice was really nice. I liked it. Of course, he was speaking or singing in his Kelpian language, mm-hmm. which I hope... So, in Star Trek, certain species, especially the Klingons, have right. a established language which people learn and speak. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they'll ever make, like, a Kelpian dictionary. I hope that they would, because I think I might buy that one. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I do have the Klingon Dictionary in my library. So. Yes, I do see that. Uh, next on my list of likes, Ethan Peck's attention to Leonard Nimoy's speech, his inflections, was great. Eric Berry, I think it was last week, it might have been the week prior, but he's been listening to Anson Mount's podcast, The Well, mm-hmm. and uh, he had... Ethan Peck on there, and and that was one of the things they talked about, the attention to details, like the way Ethan pronounces censors. Like, Mm -hmm. we would pronounce censors. Uh, Leonard Nimoy pronounced it censors. Right. And Ethan, you know, nailed that. Yes. Uh, He nailed that pretty well. During that initial montage, uh, during the funeral scene, we have Tyler in his quarters. We have Pike and uh, Nan go in, and we see that Tyler is wearing a a monitoring bracelet, and I thought that was good. That was, I think, the first time we've ever seen that kind of tech when people have been confined to quarters. Mm. It's usually they're just in their quarters, and there's a guard posted outside, right. and that's it. This is the first time we see a monitoring bracelet, and I appreciate that. I thought that was cool. Yeah. It had, on the bracelet, it had a um, Star Trek Signia. Right, the Starfleet Insignia. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Um, and I also liked that they were able to get Tyler out of the room, mm-hmm. out of lockdown, because uh, Tyler was not the one that sent the message. It was actually Ariam that did it. Right. Yeah, so that's good that he kind of has some redemption. Right. In, in the episode. Next up, Spock and Michael seem to forgive each other mm-hmm. in that scene where she's kickboxing <laughs> uh, the dummy there and at the end of the scene Michael's sign of relief um, mm-hmm. that like Spock forgives her right. I thought that was pretty powerful just her her sigh right and I feel like they finally were able to talk as brother and sister during that scene as well mm-hmm. but it kind of made me laugh when Spock wanted to see Michael punch Leland in the face. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was pretty good. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, you know, nice, you know, kind of funny moment with Spock. You don't necessarily 
get those funny moments with him. Right. Uh, unless it's like his uh, banter with McCoy right. in the original series. Yes. <laughs> Next up, sticking with Spock, him pulling the phaser out to prevent them from reviving Michael. Oh, yes. He didn't allow emotions to get the best of him. Uh, mm-hmm. He knew the only way to bring the Red Angel out would be to ensure that she died. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Recurring theme with Mr. Spock. Yes. And then the twist at the end comes as a complete surprise where we learn the true identity of the Red Angel. Now, I was watching this with you, Ashley. The, yes. The, uh, the show. And at the beginning where we have them at that little meeting and Tilly comes in and it's like, it's you, you're the Red Angel, Michael. Mm-hmm. At that moment, I was like, I don't like this episode. <laughs> right? And then I'm like, throughout the entire episode, I'm like, I really don't like this episode. You know, there were some good moments, but I'm like, oh, I don't like it. And then at the very end, where we have the reveal, and I'll, I'll say it, uh, we said that there were spoilers in this episode. The big reveal at the end, the twist ending... The Red Angel is Michael's mother, who we thought was killed. Correct. And after that, I was like, oh, no, yeah, I like this episode now. <laughs> so after subsequent rewatches, my opinion of the episode improved. It was just, I think it seemed, and I think most people seem to think it was going to be Michael actually being the Red Angel, and mm-hmm. we've had predictions on the show of it being her, and... Mm-hmm. Then to kind of like get confirmation on that at the beginning of the episode, it's like, oh, man, they pull in the same type of thing that happened during season one when everyone knew Tyler was Voke. Mm-hmm. But you know, thankfully they had that twist no one was expecting. Right. And I appreciate that totally. It was good writing on their part. Yes. I was actually very surprised myself that it was her mother that was the Red Angel. Mm-hmm. But it was a really good surprise ending. I thought I thought that was a really good surprise ending. Yeah. And now we're going to go into my likes? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Well, we already talked about some of them. I thought the scene where Saru and Leland are in the room... I thought that was pretty good. Um, that I feel like Saru wanted to better understand Leland and to gain his trust with his life and okay. his cruise ship life, their life. Right. The, I thought that was the life of his friends. And right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Just to make sure that everyone will be safe with his presence. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was very interesting on Saru's part. I also thought uh, that it was wise that Giorgio didn't tell Michael about Leland and her parents. Mm-hmm. Because it is true that it is not her story to tell. It's mm-hmm. actually Leland's. And we did learn that Leland did, quote-unquote, kill her parents. Well, not directly. Right. But his actions are lack of actions or were the cause of her parents' death. We learned that at least the mother is alive. So I thought, well, that scene 
with Leland and Burnham. Mm-hmm. The explanation, I I don't quite understand why that scene... Ha- well, I understand why the scene happened, but I don't think that Leland would offer that information mm-hmm. right. to, to Burnham. Maybe he thought that Giorgio would have spilt the beans to her if he didn't, but uh, I don't know, I... It seemed out of character. Right. I thought so, too. But um, I thought that was still pretty good, though, that uh, Giorgio kept her composure. And and my last like, I thought that the scene where Hugh and the Admiral were talking, Mm -hmm. you don't get to see that this much in this season. And I honestly didn't think the Admiral was a therapist. Oh, well, we learned that in season one, but... I might have forgotten. You probably forgot, because, you know, it hasn't really been mentioned that much this season. I actually like that as well. Uh, I should have added that to my likes, but (laughs) I appreciate that Hugh was seeking out a therapist. Right. And, you know, someone to confide in and talk to, even though it was brief. Right. uh, I appreciated it, and... Moving forward, I hope that he continues to seek therapy mm-hmm. right. for for what's happening. So as of right now that we know of, Starfleet ships don't have a counselor like they do in the, TNG. In yep, in the next generation, twenty fourth century and beyond. Right. So it could be that therapy is done remotely uh, mm-hmm. th- over subspace. That's you know, possible. Yeah. Uh, so I, I hope, if not this season, season three, we see more therapy sessions going on. Right. It's not only it's not only Hugh that needs therapy. <laughs> A lot of people on this crew need therapy. That's true. Uh, so I hope that's the thing that we see or is mentioned. I think would be great because mental health is definitely an issue mm-hmm. that's current and something that we need to speak openly about. Correct. So let's let's move on to Eric Dewey's likes. Okay. So he also loved the opening scene with the memorial and the speeches. He said that they were perfect and made him misty-eyed before the title sequence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I didn't get that. I thought... Tilly, her holding back her emotion was very well acted. Burnham, you know, well acted as well. Um, so yeah, that scene was was great. It didn't leave me misty eyed though. But to <laughs> each their own. Yes. <laughs> he absolutely loved that they're still keeping us guessing this season. Uh, we've had at least four or five strong theories about who the Red Angel was. And they still managed to surprise us, and you are absolutely correct, Mr. Dewey. They, you know, this came out of left field. Complete curveball. Yes, I was not expecting the mom to be the Red Angel. I thought it was actually going to be someone else. I thought it was going to actually be Michael. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe they need better scanners or, or something. Maybe it's more of a... Jeez, I don't know. It was, it was like, I forget what they called it, like her neural 
something or other was the same neural pattern or something. It, it was kind of weird to even have that in a file, I thought, but... Well, we did learn from Hugh that when they did do the scan on Michael, mm-hmm. that it was... I believe he said 95%. Well, he, he said it was a match. Yeah. And that there were little random things that, you know, happen in actual human brains that an AI or a computer couldn't replicate. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that could be attributed to it being her mother and being in the same family. I'm not I'm not really sure. It's uh, kind of odd that they obviously threw that in so we be thinking it was her. Right. I hope they kind of expand on that. I hope so, too. Yeah. Like you said, Saru's confrontation with Leland was perfect on both sides. Mm -hmm. Um, That's how Eric Dewey feels. He also believes that Michael's confrontation with Leland was even better. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. It was definitely an interesting scene. I'm really surprised she actually lost her composure like that. Right. But she is human, after all. True. So That is true. Eric goes on to say, Michael is learning little by little that she's not responsible for all the things she blames herself for. Loving the continued character development for her. I agree. I agree. And then he continues, once again, just an absolute perfect, amazingly emotional performance by Wilson Cruz. He sucks you in every moment he's on screen. Just brilliant acting. Uh, He did do a very good job this episode, I thought. Yes, he did. I actually thought this episode he was in was the best performance that he's given on... Well, actually, no, actually, I'm I'm lying. That scene where he starts, like, beating... Tyler was probably better, but this season definitely highlights his range. We didn't really get that last season. Right. So yeah, Wilson Cruz, uh, you are the bomb. So let's move on to our dislikes. Sure. One thing I really don't get. So we learned last season the Klingons have been in disarray. Mm Mm-hmm. Then this season, or this episode rather... We learned that the Klingons were pursuing the development of time travel technology 20 years ago. That just doesn't seem to jive with the narrative they were giving us last season that they've been in disarray. Right. That's true. So, I don't know. And Klingons, I mean, they're obviously an advanced species. Yes. They, as far as we know, developed warp capability on their own. Mm-hmm. I just am not sure if they would be able to develop time travel technology with the way that their society is. I felt like the Krill would have been able to do that because they do have the cloaking device. Did you say the Krill? Yeah. <laughs> you mean the Klingons. This isn't the Orville. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> My bad. It's all right. We also watch the Orville regularly, so. <laughs> I mean, I definitely could see them attempting to steal techno- time travel technology 
I could see or that. Take you know, take it from a species forcibly, right? Um, because of the way how they they act, right? But I, it just doesn't seem the way that they've been presented so far in the series that they would be able to Correct. develop time travel technology, right? And something that's really odd, and Eric Dewey also mentioned this in his uh, dislikes, I believe. This episode claims that Section 31 was the only one that made use of control. Yet, prior episodes established that all Starfleet admirals utilize control, so which is it? It's, It's very weird. I don't know if they were trying to say Section 31 during this time period was the only one to utilize control, but that's not how it seemed mm-hmm. uh, from the conversations that were going on. It seemed like at a certain juncture, uh, the Admiral Cornwell was the only one locked out. <laughs> right. So, I don't I don't know. It's, it's weird. We have different writers writing these episodes. It, mm-hmm. it could be something just slipped through the cracks, but something that I couldn't overlook. Yeah. It was it was very weird how that came about because I do remember um in a previous episode they said that um control was made by section 31 and then they said that Starfleet admirals also used the control. Mm-hmm. It it just was not lining up correctly. Next on my list of dislikes, the scene with Stamets, Giorgio, Tilly, and Culber uh, was <laughs> unnecessarily and awkward to watch. The only redeeming part of that scene. So, the beginning of the scene was fine, but then the moment Culber walks in, uh, it's really awkward. <laughs> the only thing that redeems the, that part of the scene was the end with Tilly. <laughs> when she goes... What just happened? She made that scene work, kind of. (laughs) And actually, we have Mr. Dewey here that has a like-slash-dislike for the scene. He says it's an awkward scene in engineering. (laughs) He really liked that Giorgio revels in the rest of the group's discomfort. However, the scene went on a bit too long. He didn't mind the poppy part. In fact, he kind of enjoyed it. It's the prior extended back and forth that wasn't necessary, and yeah, I kind of agree with with you there, Mr. Dewey. There are parts of the scene that worked, parts that didn't work. It was was just a weird scene, something that hasn't been in Star Trek. I think the use of Poppy in this fashion has never been used in Star Trek. (laughs) Yes. Uh, So, yeah. It was just weird all around. It was. My next dislike, the reveal of how Leland caused the death of Michael's parents. And I guess the line about killing the wrong ambassador Giorgio made a couple of episodes ago was just her talking about another mistake he made early on in his career. But during that episode, it seemed like she was trying to tie them together. And I don't know, it... It just seemed weird. It wasn't how I was expecting it to go. Right. It could have been just a curveball that they were, you know, trying to put in there, but it just seemed weird to me. 
Next, I wish there was a scene with Michael and Saru, and not just Michael and Tyler. Uh, mm-hmm. With the way that they've been building Saru and Michael's relationship, it was just surprising that she was worried that she was not going to survive this mission. True. Saru has been a big brother to her this season. Yes, I agree. I feel like she should have seeked him out. It's possible that happened, may have been cut for time, mm-hmm. but if it didn't happen on screen, it didn't happen. I wish we got that. It could have been just a minute or, you know, just a hug or something beforehand. Right. I feel like that they should have a scene. And maybe next episode there will be a scene where Saru is really happy that you know, she's, she, alive. she's alive. Right. And maybe even Michael's mom... You know, hugging Saru for supporting her mm-hmm. her daughter. You know, something like that. I think would be be nice. Right. Finally, on my dislikes, why would something designed to scan your eyes for identification be able to or be capable of shooting spikes out to kill? <laughs> I mean, it just seems like that wouldn't be something built in to this device. That actually was really, really weird. I didn't even know how to react (laughs) to that. Um, The second time around, I even actually flinched (laughs) when that scene came up. When it first happened, I was like, oh my goodness gracious, what just happened? I mean, it was definitely had shock value. I actually don't understand why they even had that device (laughs) <laughs> to scan scan your uh, retinas. I feel like an electrical discharge would have been more in line with how people die in Star Trek. <laughs> so it was, it was just weird. I don't think that device would have been able to eject those things into him. Right. To kill him. I did like, however, the fact that we hear, or we get some foreshadowing of the computer replicating Leland's voice that we later have with the computer telling Tyler Mm -hmm. that he should have the energy and do what he needs to do. That was very good. I like that part. What did you not like about this episode? Well, I didn't like all of your dislikes. Okay. (laughs) And I also did not like the way how Michael approached Tyler about the knowledge of Section 31 and about her parents, Mm -hmm. I thought that that was kind of out of the ordinary. Well, I mean, I get it from her because he is within Section 31 and they probably did tell her about stuff. Tell him. Right. But I just felt the way how she approached him was... Not the best way to do that. I guess, but if you're emotionally stressed and just learned how your parents died and that maybe someone that you love might have been hiding that information from you, I can understand her anger, but she wasn't going to accept what he said as the truth. She already made up her mind that he knew and wasn't telling her. So... I understand the scene. I get where you're coming from. But 
I thought it worked for the most part. Yeah, it does work, but I just didn't like how she approached yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I can appreciate that. <laughs> Moving on, we have Mr. Dewey, who says, is it written into Michelle Yeoh's contract that she has to say, in my universe, every dang episode? We get it, she's Terran. She didn't need to make a comparison in every scene. Um, yeah, I, I guess. I mean, she, in her everyday life at least, can't tell people that she's Terran. And she doesn't do this in the scenes with Pike, at least not directly. But she does do it in scenes with the other crew members because uh-huh. they know her true identity. Right. So, yeah, I, I get it. She might just need the little stress relief and to let people know who she is. Yeah. Next in Mr. Dewey's list of dislikes, more blatant reuse of set pieces slash props. The dish-looking things used in the trap were pretty obviously the same from the lateral vector transporters on the Shenzhou in season one, and yeah, they were, but I was okay with it. I don't know how you felt about it, but... It was okay. I mean, yeah, I, mean, I honestly didn't notice that it was the same props from season one, yeah, but... <laughs> I mean, there were deflector dishes for the most part. Um, my predictions on what they were used for were incorrect for the, from the last episode, but... Besides the point, they were used as a trap in this episode. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I I thought it was okay. I mean, how they were censored are deflector dishes. I mean, I would assume that deflector dishes would look the same no matter what. Right. And if, if they were technology that's being used by Discovery, it, it makes sense that they would be, you know, similar. I was okay with it. Mm-hmm. Moving on to our next segment unanswered questions. Ashley, what's your unanswered question? <laughs> I wanted to know how Nan got her thingies... Her, her breathing re- apparatus. Yes, her breathing apparatus reattached so quickly. I feel like we should have seen something like her going to sick bay after it was like ripped out or something to that effect. Mm-hmm. But we don't. Yeah, I, I get where you're coming from. Uh, how much time passed between last episode and this episode? Was there any recovery time? Any scarring? We don't see any scarring from this being ripped out. Uh, like I said in the prior episode, I feel like there would have been more damage done to her face having mm-hmm. this ripped out by right. uh, Arium. So, I don't know. I feel like that was like such a real like quick recovery. Right. And... I feel like we should have not seen her so quick. Yeah, maybe some recouping in sick bay. Maybe even while Michael was being uh, helped. Right. Or or scanned, rather, by uh, the doctor. Nan could have been in bed in sick bay. Mm Mm-hmm. But then you don't get that scene at the very beginning where Nan and Pike go in to remove the uh, monitor. So I don't know how much time passed... Who's to say? I mean, mm-hmm. it could have been days. It could have been weeks. I think they alluded to the fact that they destroyed the station control was on. I don't... I'm not 
really sure on the what happened to the station. Right. I, I, I don't know either. I feel like that should have been explored a little bit more. I thought we were going to mm-hmm. have a lot more happen on that station. Right. But it didn't. <laughs> nope. So let's go on to Mr. Dewey's unanswered question. What the heck happened to Leland? The thing just stabbed him in the eye? Freaking <laughs> ouch. <laughs> <laughs> then it was replicating his voice. Is it Control or the future version thereof in Leland's ship? And I th- I believe it is the future Control. Right. I think during that jump that Michael's mom made where she comes to save her, I think that a signal is probably sent to Leland's ship uploading the Control, the future Control, to the ship. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that needed to happen before the energy needed to destroy the micro-wormhole was given. So I uh-huh. think that's why they weren't able to do what they needed to do before that. We don't know, no, but I think we can pretty much say for almost certain it was the future control. Yes. And my unanswered question, does Michael's mom know that she's bringing the destruction she is seeing through her jumps? That is a good question. So, and uh, also, what's it's weird. Why wouldn't she jump to a point in time before this future control has this capability, is sentient? Why doesn't she just stay out at a different time? Why is she staying at this future time where she's bringing the destruction? I feel... Well, my prediction... Oh, you want... Um, okay. It's, we... start, it's It's going into the prediction now. Uh, if you want... With, with, your, with your theory, it's going into my prediction. Okay, we can jump to our <laughs> predictions uh, for episode 11 and beyond. What, what's your prediction? I think that Michael's mom is going to try to convince Michael to join her. So that if she does, then... Michael can then maybe explain to her mom about the destruction that she had caused or is going to Mm. continue to cause. Because um, Michael has the knowledge of Spock with the Red Angel in the beginning. Like the mind meld. Right. Um, I I guess, uh, actually, one thing that may happen now that you, you talk about it Maybe Michael takes the suit, and that's why her neural pattern matches. Ah. Uh, maybe she takes the suit and jumps and tries to. She you know falls into the same trope that she's done this entire series, and mm-hmm. she ends up taking it upon herself to repair what's been happening. Maybe, but if that's the case, then she is going to actually destroy the. <laughs> Well, not not necessarily. Um, we don't we don't know. That's true. So, for my actual prediction, uh, Michael's mom will die trying to protect Michael. So that will be you know emotional. She'll lose her mother again. I I think that's going to happen. But we shall see. That is true. Mm. So we shall do our overall score for the episode. So what do you score this, Ashley? I gave it a 2.25 pips 
acting lieutenant commander. Yeah, people on this podcast like to make up ranks. <laughs> uh, so, Ashley asked me, what would be in between uh, lieutenant and lieutenant commander? I said, well, there isn't. <laughs> uh, so she came up with this. Uh, so, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> now... I thought the reasoning to this was uh-huh. because I thought it was more of an emotional mm-hmm. episode. I don't know. Not like the other episodes previous. Mm-hmm. So you you liked the episode, though? I do like the mm-hmm. episode, but it was I felt it was more on the emotional side rather mm-hmm. than it being like the normal Star Trek that we've seen. Okay. All right, I can I can buy that. Mister Dewey says the episode started strong, dipped a little in the middle, but then came back to give us another powerful gut punch surprise in the end. <laughs> Not the strongest entry in the season, but far from the worst either. I think it's on par with the previous episode, and thus rank it the same as a commander. Three pips. Okay, I actually agree. I will rank it. Three Pips Commander, but surprisingly, like I've said, I think at the top of the show, unlike previous episodes this season, subsequent rewatches had me improve my score. Mm. Like I said, I didn't like it, but then at the end, I liked it, and mm-hmm. then rewatched it, and I was looking at it through a different lens during my rewatches, uh-huh. and I liked it. So, so there you go. And uh, that, my friends, wraps up the episode. So, Ashley. Yes. If we were to look for you on the internet. Yes. How would we find you? Facebook or Snapchat. Facebook or Snapchat? Just just Google you? Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) All right. So Google her, I guess, uh, if you want to find her. If you were looking for me, you can find me on most social media platforms at Nova Charter, uh, specifically Instagram and Twitter. And you can find the podcast at SF Escape Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Mm-hmm. And if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, rate us and uh, leave us a comment. To let us know if you like the show. We'd appreciate it. And until next time, live long and prosper. Ciao for now. You have been listening to the Starfleet Escape Podcast on the Four-Eyed Radio Network. You can find us on the web at sfescapepod.com. Follow us on Twitter at sfescapepod. Like us on facebook.com slash sfescapepod.com. 